you are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Jeff, I'm going to drop this next one on you. It keeps coming up. We keep not talking about it. And I think probably today is the day we're going to just have a real conversation. I know what you're going to drop. And and we're just I, you know, I have wanted to not. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to have this Trevor Bauer conversation because there's been a lot of information that's come out in the last six months. Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of these allegations. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about what was alleged and and what all happened. Um, If you want to know, go Google it. It's pretty you know, pretty graphic details. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, after the whole thing has played out, Trevor Bauer has not been charged with a crime. And in some cases, he was actually kind of cleared of what he was being accused of based on the timeline and the evidence that he was able to present and is now looking for a job back in Major League Baseball. So this is this is where we are. We have a player that has had some pretty significant allegations thrown his way not been charged with anything looks to be in the clear of them and the question now is is a reunion with trevor bauer something that the reds should be interested in so my answer has nothing to do with the off with the off-field allegations it has is has nothing to do with the updates in the court case and things like that um I, i i definitely think that those will play a part in how people perceive him but my concern is what value does he bring to this team what value does he bring to the pitching staff how does he improve it because that is what the reds need to be focused on the biggest question with trevor bauer is the fact that he's been off of a major league mound for so long i i look at this and and i wonder because how much of bringing in trevor bauer do you then have to allow time for him to get reacclimated to Major League Baseball? I mean, wh- say what you will about the Japanese game. It is a fantastic product and it is a fantastic version of baseball. It is somewhere between AAA and Major Leagues. It is not on the same level field. So what he did in Japan is only slightly indicative of what he can do here. So with that, whatever deal he would sign, I would hope would be incentive laden, I would hope would not be a high number would not be, we're not talking about anywhere near what the Dodgers were giving him after they signed him after his Cy Young year, we're talking about prove a deal. And that is where I start with the Reds being involved with. If the Reds sign him, if the Reds sign Trevor Bauer to a prove it deal with incentives and things like that, and he and he works out then fine because the name of the game is to win the world series say what you will about morality and and and, and employing th- players and things like that players like Mar- marcelo zuna um players like roldis chapman have been major league baseball players for years it is about what you can bring to the field and that for me is where the biggest question lies with trevor bauer that's all a great argument. And, and, you know, I, I, I mostly agree with you. I think, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Branch Brown checks in. He says, I don't want the clubhouse distraction that, that he would likely be. Uh, but you know, then you've get the other side of it that, you know, Chris says Bauer won't be a distraction winning game solves all that. And I think 
both of those things can be true. There is a potential that Bauer would be a huge distraction, both for his his non-off-field antics self, not involving any of that. His just normal everyday baseball routine is a bit of a distraction, and his quirkiness and the and the the his routines and the things that he does always draws attention, always siphons focus away from where it should be, which is on the team. Then you've got the off-field stuff that you add in on top of that that will be – and listen, make no mistake, it will be a thing. Uh, whether he's been completely exonerated, he could produce a tape of his accuser saying that it was all made up, I'm sorry, Mia culpa, and people would still be using it as a side distraction. It would still be a thing. So I, I don't think the Reds. I don't think the Reds need a starting pitcher badly enough to go down that road. I think there are other options. There's in-house options. There's free agent options. There's other things that can be done. And at the end of the day, I think the potential for damage to team chemistry and team performance is greater than what you might expect to get in return for the signing. And so for me, he would be a no. And the market's flush. I mean, we're not talking about a very thin starting pitcher market. There's plenty of options out there. The Reds have plenty of payroll flexibility. We're not talking about a team that has to be super creative and has to find these incentive-laden deals. And the other part of this, too, and, and Branch brings up a good point, and I think that you know, if everything is good, no one is a distraction. If, if, every, if, if we're winning, then the clubhouse takes care of itself. What happens when he has a bad start? What what happens if he's not pitching that well for multiple starts? What is the exit strategy? And that is another key part of any Trevor Bauer deal that I would want to see. I, I just think I'm with you. There, there's far too many options on the free agents. If we're still talking about this in February, maybe it's got a little bit more legs, but there's just too many options out there right now. The market is too flush. And and just to, to the point of the distraction level possible with all this, just our comment section, everything I've seen online, you bring up this name, you bring up Trevor Bauer, it's an instant nearly 50-50 division. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know where the players land on that, but if it causes any kind of reaction amongst the players like it causes amongst everybody else, that could be a problem. Now, I also think that there's a commentary in this of – how much of a distraction would he be and how strong is the Reds clubhouse for this? I feel like the Reds clubhouse is a pretty strong group, but do we really want to test them that much this soon? That's another question to be asked as well, because I think Matt McClain, Jonathan India, Spencer Steer, I think those guys have a very good handle on the chemistry of the team and how to, how to kind of lead the team forward. But then, you know, how much will you be testing them with this signing that's not a that's that's not a yes or no question. And that's not a question that every single day has the same answer because that changes. So I would be I, I think I'm I'm on the leaning no for this kind of deal. All right. Well, again, again, if we're still talking about this in February, it could be a different conversation. But let's move off of Trevor Bauer now, guys. What do you wanna what do you want to talk about, folks? Uh, let's let's get some New questions here in the chat, not Trevor Bauer related. And while that's happening, Jeff, tell us what we're looking at next week. I know you teased Spencer Steer on Monday. Uh, where are we going from there? Yeah, we're really talking a lot about um, player performances from last season. I want to focus on 
the value that they bring. Um, there was so many surprises. We'll, we'll talk about why these people were so surprised and why the players surprised us so much and what we can expect from them moving forward. I mean, as we looked at Ellie yesterday, if you missed yesterday's episode, we talked about Ellie's first season with the Reds and the sign that we saw of the breakout that's going to happen next year. We're going to continue to look at stuff like that. We're going to give you kind of the belie- the below the surface stuff because everybody knows the slash lines, you know, the homers, the, the RBIs and stuff like that. What are the peripherals talking about? What are the analytics talking about? And I know people, is, oh, they always say, oh, analytics, here we go again. But they're there for a reason. And there's understanding to be had from them. That's why you come to us because we will give you the understanding that we have gleaned from the analytics. All right, Jeff, this next one, we kind of touched on this earlier in the week, I think. I don't know. My week's a blur with with the traveling, but I think we talked about this a little bit, and that was Nick Senzel. Before we get to talking about Nick Senzel, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Jace Medical. You know, we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together about wins and losses, who starts and who sits, and who's going to get traded, what free agents are going to get signed. I'm thankful for that connection we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you're covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical. Life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply through Jace. Even ED generics like Cialis or Viagra. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply, and I also ordered an antibiotics kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for $20 off your purchase. Uh, I found it really curious that his name was included in the group of names when Nick Kroll had his Zoom press conference discussing uh, not picking up Joey Votto's option. Uh, Jared checks in and says that Senzel's a good bench back, crushes lefties, above average speed, needs to work on his defense a little bit. Uh, it's a pretty good assessment of Nick Senzel, I think. It, it leads me to this question that I want to ask you. I was, if you had asked me two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I would have told you there is 0% chance that Nick Senzel is going to be with this team in 2024. Uh, Jose Barrero is going to be the 2024 version of Nick Senzel, the guy getting the roster spot to try and prove it or figure it out or, or whatnot. But then Nick Crawl made his comments. You look at what the Reds have available as far as money to spend and what Nick Senzel's arbitration value would be, somewhere just north of $3 million for the season. And it all starts to line up where, well, if you can't go out and get a big everyday right-handed bat for the outfield, maybe you want to take a $3 million flyer on Nick Senzel and keep him around to platoon with either Fraley or Benson. The the good news is that, you know, the arbitration process is a long process. Arbitration is really not done until February. So 
they can have this built-in fallback option in Nixon. So the, the funny thing about that clip, um, he, he does a little bit of mental gymnastics whenever his name comes up on his list. Uh, remember he said he kind of stuttered over Sunset's name. He was like Nick Sinzel. And like you can see like the roller coaster that hits the loop de loop in his mind whenever he goes to say Nick Sinzel. And you're like, he's he's probably thinking, well, he might well, but he might, depending on how depends on how the offseason's going to shape up. I mean, if they're talking to Jamer Candelario, there's something cooking. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of trade cooking where he's going to shake up a little bit of this. We we talk about this this depth that the Reds have on the infield, and as a guy who who probably looks at this a little bit more economically than we give him credit for, it, it, Nick Crawl's probably looking at this and saying, "Supply and demand. What do I have versus what do I need? Where's my surplus?" And Nixon Zell is a bit of a luxury in that because he's not going to necessarily be part of a trade because he doesn't have a whole lot of trade value, but he can be your fallback option, especially in a platoon situation because David Bell, make no, make no mistake about it. David Bell's propensity to platoon began with Nixon. Zell, seeing how he hits lefties versus how he hits righties, he's almost unusable against right-handed pitching, but he's almost you almost can't keep him out of lineup against the lefty. So I, I think that there is a bit of a fallback option there, but if there is not that big move that shakes everything up, I could see them getting rid of Nixon. Is did did the Reds use his last option last year sending him down? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's out of you know, options. Now you're in a situation where there's two players, no options <laughs> remaining. Um, and in the comment section, Jeff, by the way we got instructions on how to turn off these graphics. So we'll take care Thank of that you. after. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do that. <laughs> um, but there's two guys now, Jose Barrero and Nick Senzel, that if you're going to keep them in Cincinnati, they have to be on the active roster. So I think if both of those players are on the active roster out of Goodyear to start the 2024 baseball season, it means Nick Craw failed the offseason. That's that's what I think that means. You can keep one of those players as your 26th man, your last guy on the bench, somebody that can hit a little bit and play infield and outfield reasonably well. That's Jose Barrero and Nick Senzel. I think Nick Senzel's value comes in maybe a little bit higher and just what he's been doing to left-handed pitching. Uh, Jose Barrero's continued to be very streaky and unreliable off- offensively. So, you know, what do they do? And if it's a choice between the two, who are you taking? Let's 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 play that game for a second. Mm. You're you're filling the 26th spot on the roster, and you only have those two guys to pick from. Which way are you going? Well, and let's go back to the economics of it because one is a little bit more of a gamble than the other. Because according to Spot Track, the arbitration value for Nixon Zell is three point six million dollars, which, depending on how they work with trades and free agency, would make him the highest paid player on the um that 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 blows my mind a little bit that's part of the allure of this reds team as we move forward because it's so cheap but also i wonder like you said i mean it's, i i agree with you it, it's a failure if you have both those guys on the roster on opening day either that or there's been a lot of injuries on spring training that we're hoping doesn't happen but both of them are 26th men um mm-hmm. You, you can tell me 
that the value that Nixon sell has against lefties is very high and makes him lucrative. But I don't think so. There's so many platoon options out there on the waiver wire, let alone on the free agents list, let alone for trade, let alone in the Reds farm system. I, I yeah. think that Nixon sells every man and Jose Barrero. We constantly have the same question of, can he figure out the whole plate appearance thing? Like his, his plate discipline his demeanor for at bats and things like that, his consistency, it's just not there. It's never has been. And you cannot have two guys. You can't have two 26th men. So mm -hmm. I think if everything is equal and depending on how the roster moves, they get rid of Nixon Zell on non tender day, which coincidentally enough is coming up next week because you have to get ready for the 40 man roster crunch. Um, so they probably move on from him. I think talking about going back to what we said, most likely to happen. I think most likely they move on from him because I don't see a world where Jose Barrero is a part of a trade and they're not just going to cut him before spring training. Yeah, that's how, that's how I see it too, Jeff. I, I, I think, and I think Nick Senzel could benefit from a change of scenery at this point. Also, I think there's, there's a lot of history there. I mean, they, they were ready to give up on him last year. If you recall they sent him down, yeah. they were bringing up everybody else, you know, before they brought Nick back and he only managed to get back because of injury. So I think he will be gone. All right, let's do a couple more before we get out of here. This one. I want to talk about because I'm excited about this guy. Is Blake done ready next year on opening day? I don't think so. I think he needs a little bit more minor league seasoning. I think he could be an all-star break kind of guy, Jeff. Where are you on this? I agree with that. And I think that, you know, Nick crawl made a, made a statement about guys working their way into their early call-ups. Like he, he normally, ha he originally had Matt McLean picked as more of like a July call-up, and then he played himself into a May call-up. He he really didn't even have Noel V. Marte as a call-up, and then he ended up getting called up in August. And part of that, I think, was roster necessity, but also part was their performances. Blake Dunn has a really good shot to play himself into like a May or June call-up, but I don't envision him winning a spot out of spring training. Yeah, I think... Uh... I, I again, I think if that happens, either I don't know. I don't even know if he could put up enough spring training numbers to Ooh, say he would find a roster spot. But if if he made it, I think it would say more about like there's been a bunch of injuries. There's big problem in the outfield if he's on the opening day roster in 2020. Based based on the the different scouting profiles and things that I've heard about Blake Dunn, let's do this. Let's compare this. Would you rather? If you have to choose one, and I don't think he's on the opening day roster, but would you rather have Stuart Fairchild or Blake Dunn? Knowing what we know about Stuart Fairchild and knowing what we don't know about Blake Dunn. And if I have to take one of those two guys, I take Blake Dunn. Tremendous upside. Mm -hmm. We know who Stuart Fairchild is. He's a 4A guy. Stuart Fairchild, he's a great guy to have around. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be hating on Stuart. Right. No, and that's not what I'm – Yeah. But yeah, if, you, if you're picking one or the other, I, I take Blake Dunn over Stuart Fairchild. All right, let's do one more, Jeff, and we'll stick with some minor league guys. Better question from Chris. He says, better question, is Reese Hines ready before we start talking about Blake Dunn? He is not ready. And I don't know if he's going to get ready. But he's he's going to be, they're going to add him to the 40-man roster because he is Rule 5 eligible this offseason. So he will be 
added to the 40 man. So they are going to have a little bit different of a microscope kind of focused on him to be like, are, are you ready to be called up? But I mean, you're talking about a dude who makes Ellie look like he strikes out. Not that much like resigns. Well, and to, but to be fair, to be fair, Reese started to show some signs of figuring some things out last season. Yeah. There, he had moments. Um, you know, we may be guilty of doing that thing we do with these prospects. You know, we we think they're all going to be, you know, future Hall of Famers. And then when they struggle, we think they're busts. But maybe somewhere in the middle is the truth. And the Reese power potential is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Reese can still figure things out. I don't know that he's somebody that we should in any way, shape or form be counting on to make an appearance in 2024. I think he's still got a lot of work to do. Um, Reese Hines or Blake Dunn debuts first. Blake Dunn. Blake Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we talked about him. I mean, I think that's why we, that's close. Yeah. I don't even think that one's close. I, I just think that it's because of the rule five, because you're going to see that and you're going to think, Ooh, that's a step toward being called up, but they're just going to protect him from the rule five draft. He'll be, he might be the reason. And we could, I mean, there's not, there's not going to be like a press release that says the Reds add resigns to the 40 man roster. And because of that, they cut Nixon Zell, but there'll probably be a little bit of a correlation there. All right. Here's the last one, Jeff. Uh, Aaron's talking about Rhett Lauder, says he thinks we see Rhett Lauder next year. Uh, they say that Wake Forest grads are finished products. Um, I don't know about finished product, but uh, Rhett is definitely ahead of his age group. I think that's fair to say. And when he was drafted, uh, a lot of the baseball talking heads, as well as scouts and insiders, all feel like he's closer to making a major league debut than most normal first round draft picked pitchers. Uh, that being said, don't expect to see him opening day. Uh, don't expect to see him by the all-star break. I don't think, I think it's much more likely that he's a cup of coffee at the end of 2024 uh, looked at to be a contributing piece in 2025. I, I that's where I suspect their, their, their view of louder is at least for right now. He is the reason that you don't necessarily have to go out and get an ace for multiple years uh, in the starting rotation because I think he will be ready in 2025. His mentality is fantastic. And I remember getting the chance to talk to him in Dayton. And he was just like, ever since high school, I've never been that guy that has overpowering stuff or crazy high velocities or just the, the stuff that all the scouts drool over. I've always had to pitch. I've always had to think through and be strategic ever since high school. And I'm like, I love that. I, I want to see how that plays out as he develops through the, through the Reds farm system. But the thing that gives me a little bit of pause with him is there was some question about his arm health as he was drafted because he pitched a lot last year going through the college world series process and all of that. And so that's kind of why we never saw him. Like he didn't even do the Nick Lodolo thing where you throw like three starts and then they shut you down. He was added to the dragons developmental roster, which meant he never really suited up to go out and play. He was just there to practice and kind of go through bullpen sessions and things like that. So he, I, I think there was a little bit of caution that they were treating his arm with. I'll be interested to see what he does this spring training. Is he on the big league spring training roster? Is he on the minor league spring training roster? That 
will tell us a lot about how close he is to the major leagues. But I tend to agree with you. I think if we see him at all, it's going to be for like a couple of starts in September, maybe even just one or two starts in September. Yeah, I think that's right. And and Alex said in the comments, that's when he expects that we would see Chase Petty. Also, I probably agree with that. Maybe a little sooner for Chase Petty, but at, at the end of the day, I think both of those guys are probably looked at more as 2025 pieces than 2024. And that I think is where we will go ahead and wrap it up for this Aloha live edition of the Locked on Rest podcast. If you haven't clicked those subscribe buttons, please do so. Subscribe here on YouTube. Click the notification bell so that you know when we go live, when we do other uh, bonus episodes as well. If you're in the audio feeds, thanks for being there. We appreciate you. We love talking baseball with you. Uh, get those subscribe buttons clicked because as this offseason progresses, we're going to keep monitoring the rumors. We're going to watch for the news. We're going to see what the Reds are doing. We're going to gather up all of that information and bring it back right here to keep you locked on Reds every single day. We got to turn off those graphics. Yeah. Where's that comment? Let's find it. Let's do it right now. It's it's up in the corner. Orange button. <laughs>